All right, ladies and gentlemen, back from my father's house. I believe it's episode 10. Do you get a special prize for staying with us this long? Absolutely not, man. You get nothing. It's not a zip zero squash, baby. You don't get anything. Hey, seriously, thank you for listening. Show us some love. This is Dane and Nick podcast, and we're at that time of year now where we're going to be transitioning between some Pac-12 football and some Pac-12 hoops. This podcast right here is going to be a nice little non-conference um, basketball preview, some of the action we've seen um, so far this year. Some big games have kind of started taking off this past weekend. Obviously, there's some bigger games around the year, but we're only two and a half weeks away from the beginning of Pac-12 conference basketball play. I'm pumped. Um, I'm a basketball coach. I'm very excited. I love seeing me some Pac-12 hoops. So one thing that um, Dane and I wanted to emphasize and let you guys know right from the bat in this podcast is we understand you guys got lives. I got a life. Dane's got a life. Our publisher's got a life. Everyone's got a life. So look, we're going to cover each team in three minutes flat. I get 90 seconds. Dane gets 90 seconds. We got you with facts and sass. Then you can get on your way and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Again, thanks for tuning in. Dane and Nick, episode 10. We can call it episode 100. Doesn't really matter. Pack 12 hoops. Dane, let's get it started. All right. Yeah, glad to still be here for this episode. And it's been a great um, basketball season so far up to this point. Oregon has really separated themselves from the rest of the conference. Um, I think they have five games against top 25 programs. And they've won three of them, including this weekend's win over number five Michigan in Ann Arbor, which is a very impressive victory. And yeah, the rest of the conference is chasing them. I mean, the championship is going to run through Eugene, and it's Oregon's to lose at this point. And the crazy thing is, they don't even have Nafale Dante yet. I mean, he's going to start playing, uh, I think, from here on out. So uh, he was our top ranked recruit. He's a five star center, seven footer. So he adds, uh, at the very least, a defensive presence uh, to that, um, you know, great almost zone full court press that they run that is very difficult to deal with and um yeah I mean if he can do anything more on the offensive end they're going to be scary good um I think their their ceiling is likely the national championship game and their floor is probably the sweet 16 so let's just jump right on into it So the way we're organizing this is we're going to do best to worst teams in the conference, top to bottom. So yeah, if you want your team to be earlier in the podcast, win some games, baby. That, that's all we got. So I'm starting with Oregon. They're coming off a huge win against Michigan on Saturday night. They took down their first real, real elite program of the year in this win, um, beating number five Michigan on the road in overtime one point. Huge win for the program, huge for the reputation of the conference, and just they already had lost to North, Car- <clears throat> to North Carolina and Gonzaga this year, so it's a nice confidence boost for the players. And uh, speaking of the players, Peyton, um, Peyton Pritchard is the senior point guard and the leader. He's averaging 19.2 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, and 5.9 assists, and nearly two steals at 1.6. He is for sure the best player, and he's just the perfect senior point guard. Um, Anthony Mathis, another guard, is a transfer from New Mexico. He's averaging 11.6 point games, filling a much-needed scoring role. 
Chris, Chris Duarte is a junior college transfer, averaging 10.4 points per game. And Will Richardson, one of the few returning players, averaging 9.2 points per game. So they have a nice balance. They still have not returned their five-star center in Nefali Dante. So when he comes back, they're just going to be elite, top-tier team. Definitely a top-10 type team. Team that can go deep in the tournament. And their record currently stands at 8-2. and two. So it's going to be very fun to watch the Ducks this year. Yeah, Oregon is absolutely legit. Um, they've clearly played the hardest non-conference schedule of any team in the Pac-12. They faced five ranked opponents, and they've won three of those games. They lost in overtime to Gonzaga, and I think by like two, maybe four, to North Carolina. So, And like Nick said, they just went in to Ann Arbor to beat Michigan. So they have turned a lot of heads so far this season, and what they've done is very impressive. And as I said in the intro, their ceiling is the national championship game. And that's that's not even crazy to say. That's a legitimate take. Like, they are that good. And they're about to add Nafali Dante, and that's just going to make them even scarier. And, and really, it, it comes down to Peyton Pritchard, but deeper than that, it's um, Dana Altman. It, it's, what he, it's his system. It's the full-court zone press. It's like this very unique style of a defensive press that just frustrates people. And on offense, they play free. They're not scared of getting taken out of the game. And they're good at shooting threes. So that's a very dangerous combination. Oregon is clearly the best team in the conference. So for teams two through four, um, we're going to have Arizona, Washington, and Colorado. I can't separate them just yet. It's a little bit too early, but these are the other top tier teams in the conference. So we're going to start with Colorado for the sake of this segment. And coming into the season, Colorado was the favorite. Um, a lot of people had them projected to win the conference, them or Oregon. And they've not looked the part just yet. On the 10th, so earlier this week, they lost to um, Northern Iowa by three points. Not an acceptable loss for a team that's supposed to be competing for a Pac-12 title. They also got beaten handily by Kansas on the road, which is a tough game. But if Colorado is really as good as people or as the preseason media led us to believe, then they should compete and not be beaten by 14 points. They also struggled to beat Clemson, only beating them by four points this year. So Colorado needs to improve. They currently stand eight and two, but they need to play better. Their best, their supposed best players, McKinley Wright, Ivy. I don't know how to say Roman, Roman numerals, so figure out what IV means. That's your fun fact of the day. He's averaging 11.3 points, 3.7 assists, and 2.7 turnovers. That assist-to-turnover ratio needs to improve if you want to be considered an elite point guard. And their other star player and best player thus far this year is Tyler Bay. He's a guard slash forward, averaging 12.6 points, 10.4 rebounds, 2 seals, and 1.6 blocks. He's been the clear-cut leader this year. And McKinley Wright needs to step up and fill his role better. Okay, so for Colorado, if you listen to our first podcast about the basketball season, I said that I wasn't buying Colorado's high projected finish, and I think that's been proven right so far. I just I don't I don't see why people think or why people thought that they were gonna win the conference. It just didn't make any sense to me. Um, as I said in that first episode. If you shut down McKinley Wright, 
where's the production coming from? And that still holds true. The clear blueprint to beat them is to shut down Wright and Tyler Bay. And if you shut those two guys down, then they struggle badly. And so, but you and I, that loss, it's not a bad loss. You and I is a good program. That's a tournament quality team. The fact that you lost it at home, that's the fact that's bad. Not the fact that you lost that game. So, I don't that that's not a bad loss for me. And the Kansas game, you know, Kansas is one of the best teams in the country. Sure that you lost by whatever it was, 14, and really it was kind of bigger um margin than that for most of it. But I mean, those two losses are not bad. You had the good win over Clemson like Nick mentioned. So really it's it's about what I was expecting so far. Um I know it might have be uh below some people's expectations but this is right about where i thought colorado would be and they have a lot of potential moving forward the next team we're going to hop into here is the arizona wildcats and i think it's safe to say that the wildcats are back as a whole after last year's whole adidas fbi scandal things could have really went south but they've already bounced back this year they currently stand at a 10-2 record. Um, they're only two losses coming against Baylor and Gonzaga. And so these losses are acceptable, especially for a team led by freshmen, which is exactly where we're going to get into. Um, if you want to analyze the rest of their schedule really, really quickly, they could have beaten a couple more teams a little bit more handily. They only beat Pepperdine by two and Wake Forest by seven. But Arizona has improved as a whole with only those two acceptable losses. So three freshmen are leading their attack this year. Zeke Naji, if I'm saying that right, leading the unit with 15.9 points per game, 7.6 assists, looking like a standout freshman. The highly hyped Nico Mannion and Josh Green are rounding out the group. Nico Mannion scoring 14.3 points per game with 6.5 assists, and he could be the real deal. I should say, is the real deal already, putting up great statistics as a freshman. And another guard, Josh Green, is averaging 13.3 points and five rebounds per game. Hey, and since we are under the 90 seconds, we can go with the classic. Uh, Duke transferred uh, Chase Jeter, one of their returning players, is averaging 9.2 points per game and also 5.8 rebounds. So UA is a great balance and looking to improve as a program. Yeah, the Arizona Wildcats. Okay, there's a lot to be said here, but... um... Yeah, bottom line, the Cats struggled against the two top 25 teams they've played, and they've escaped against some lower-level teams that really are head-scratching. As Nick said, there are three freshmen that are uh, generating most of the points in the offense. So there's some growing pains involved, but um, yeah, I mean, I I I don't know what's going on. Sometimes I feel like this team is significantly overrated, and other times I feel like this team is about where they should be, and it's just so up and down. But the bottom line is, when the Cats face elite-level teams, quality programs, they've struggled so far this year. And so they're going to need to figure that out because um, I think at one point against Baylor, they were down by like 16. It might have been 19. And against Gonzaga, they were down by 16 and 14 on two separate occasions. So um, the Cats need to get that figured out because it's just um, they're going to get exposed in the NCAA tournament if they just run across uh, a team like that. Like at this point, a first round loss wouldn't really surprise me. But um, I think, like I said, the ceiling for them is the Sweet 16. And I think probably somewhere in the middle around a 32 loss, probably where it's going to end up being. 
but we'll see how it goes. Oh, and the Zeke Najee stat, um, I think he has like seven rebounds per game, not assists. So I'm just clearing that one up. To round out the top tier teams of the conference, we have the Washington Huskies, UW, Seattle, my hometown. Not my college, but still got to represent. So they're off to a solid 7-2 and two start with uh, two respectable losses against Tennessee and Gonzaga. So they've, they've pretty much done what they're supposed to do. They've handled everyone else on their schedule moderately easy. Um, the other notable win would be they had a very nice win against Baylor to start off their year. So that was a huge win for their program to get all these freshmen on the right foot. And speaking of these freshmen, they have Ford, Isaiah Stewart, probably one of the best players in the conference, um, certainly a one-and-done type talent. He's averaging 17 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, and 1.8 blocks. In other words, he's dominating lesser competitions. <laughs> a little bit easy for him. Another highly touted freshman, you have a Ford, Jaden McDaniels, averaging 15 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, and another 1.1 blocks per game. So between Stewart and McDaniels down low, they have one of the best, probably the best um, front court in the conference. It's getting confused with back court and front court there. Their best returning player is Nas Carter, averaging 14.7 points per game, and also scrapping out 6.4 rebounds. So Washington as a whole is looking good. As long as these freshman pieces can continue to develop and learn Mike Hopkins' defensive system, the dogs should be a tough team to beat. Yeah, Washington is definitely good. Uh, I have them above Arizona in my power ranking. Um, that is mostly due to their win over Baylor. And I just, um, my issue with the Huskies is the depth, um, the bench. They don't get very much production out of their bench. And in a high level game, for example, if Isaiah Stewart gets into foul trouble, who who do they have to replace him? And that's that's going to be an issue. And I know they escaped. Well, they came back and they barely beat Baylor, uh, and then they lost by like fourteen to Tennessee. So um, yeah, just the the depth, the bench uh, is my big issue with them. Um, and other than that, um, their defensive system, obviously, they're still learning and they're still gelling on offense. So uh, for them to really take the next step, they're going to need to find somebody on that bench to contribute consistently. I think Quad A Green needs to play a little bit better. Um, and Jaden Dan- McDaniels is obviously, uh, you know, he's a lottery pick. He's a top uh, first round pick for sure. And Mike Hopkins needs to continue to develop them. And as I said at the beginning of the year in my hoops piece, I think the round of 32 is a legitimate expectation for for the program this year. As we hop into kind of the next tier basketball teams, um, some of these teams could make the tournament. And this is one of those teams I believe will. And my surprise pick of the year in the Oregon State Beavers. Go Bees! Go Bees! Well, what? All right. So they currently stand at 8-1 overall. Um, pretty non-notable, non-conference schedule. They lost to Oklahoma by 8 points, and they beat Iowa State in a close game. So those are the two major kind of big conference teams they've played this far. But bottom line, they're standing at 8-1, and one, so respectable record, taking care of business. Um, 
Their leader and arguably the Pac-12's best player is Trace Tinkle. He's a forward, uh, can do a little bit of everything, and he's currently averaging 21.9 points per game, 8.3 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 1.9 steals. He's literally doing it all. Um, I don't know if he's an NBA-type talent, but certainly overseas for sure. Great college leader. To surround him, they've guard Ethan Thompson, who is a knockdown three-point shooter. He's um, scoring 15.3 points per game this year and also averaging 4.3 assists. So they're playing well as a unit, shooting 35.9% from beyond the arc. We would like to kind of see that improve. And to round out their big trio, we have Kyler Kelly, big uh, forward center down low, averaging 10.4 points and 4.8 blocks per game. Yes, 4.8 blocks per game. So that trio is going to take Oregon State where they need to go. He's averaging five blocks a game, basically. Wow. Yeah, Oregon State uh, meets the eye test for a tournament-caliber team. Uh, for me, they haven't played as tough of a schedule as you would like for them to be prepared for the conference season. They had the nice victory over Iowa State in Corvallis, and then they lost to Oklahoma in the Phil Knight Invitational, or the Phil Knight Classic, whatever it's called now, um, in Portland. And other than that, they haven't been tested. They haven't played anybody noteworthy. Um, so the, it's uh, it's hard to judge where they're at. I mean, when you play cupcakes, you don't know how good your program is. And so they do have Texas A&M on December 21st, which will give everyone a good idea of where they really stand. But, I mean, man, like they are – I don't think they're ready for the conference season. I mean, there are some good teams in conference – and they had their two games against quality opponents at the very beginning of the year in November. And sure, this Texas A&M game is going to be a nice uh, warm-up. But, I mean, Texas A&M is not the same program that they were a few years ago. So when they face Oregon, Washington, Stanford, USC, Arizona State, Arizona, even Utah, man, and Colorado, they're going to be, it's going to be tough for them in conference season. We'll have to see how it goes for them. The next team we're going to discuss here, wow, I came through with force with that one. Not sure what that was all about. The next team we're going to discuss here is the Arizona State Sun Devils. They have made the tournament the last two years. And ever since uh, head coach Bobby Hurley took over, their program has been a tough one to beat and continuing to be a program on the rise. So thus far this year, they currently stand at 8-2. and two. Their two losses are respectable. They lost against Colorado in the Pac-12 um, opener in Shanghai, China, a season opener. Nothing to be ashamed of there. They lost them by 10. Kind of a weird set of circumstances. They also lost to Virginia 45-48 in a defensive battle. Just as Virginia does these things, you know. And so, um, looking at the rest of their schedule, had a close win against Princeton, beat them by two, beat San Francisco University of San Francisco by four. So, a couple of close games. And bottom line, they found a way to win most of them, eight and two right now. No bad losses. They're completely re- led by guard Remy Martin, averaging 20.3 points per game and four assists, um, 46.1% from the field. Shooting a great clip, but I would like to see him increase those assist numbers and get more players involved. I think it would benefit the whole team. Ford Romello White is adding 12.7 points per game and 10-point rebounds. He's a solid double-double threat, obviously, as I just said. And guard Rob Edwards is um, finishing out the group with 11.5 points per game. These three are controlling the group, and Romello White needs to continue to dominate. 
Yeah, I really like what ASU has done in the non-conference season. If you take away that Colorado loss, they, they performed really well. Um, and in that Colorado game, they were without Tayshawn Cherry and another contributor. Uh, so that's, uh, that Colorado game has a slight asterisk next to it because they were down two contributors. And in the Virginia game, uh, they had a chance to tie it with a few seconds left um and couldn't hit the three so and virginia is a top 10 program so um they also just blew out georgia which is a good program with a really good player um on there anthony edwards and um yeah so uh, they also have two road wins two true road wins which i would have to um check but i think that might be the most true road wins of um, any team in the conference. They went to Princeton and won on a last-second shot. Then they went to San Francisco and won on a last-second shot. And so the Princeton game, okay, somewhat questionable, but last year Princeton actually beat them. So um, those players, it was just, that's a weird game. And and San Francisco, that's a good program. Um, it's a good team in the WCCC. WCC, yeah. And uh, that uh, that was another good road win. So really, this Georgia win, it's um, I was impressed with that. A twenty point victory over Georgia, that's saying something. So um, they got it cooking up there in Tempe. It will be interesting to see how they do in conference season. All right, just like that, we are halfway through the conference. We, come on, Dana and I told you we'd get you out of here quick. All right, but I'm cutting into my USC Trojan time. So we're going to hop into the Trojans now. So one player who completely, and I'm going to start with their players actually first on this one, not the schedule. One player who completely was not on my off-season, off preseason ra- radar was Onyeke Og- Ogwu. Okay, I tried. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but you know I'm just a man here. Just a man. Just a spirit, baby. So he's averaging 17.4 points per game and 8.7 rebounds. He's paired alongside... Nick Rakosevich, <laughs> Nick Rakotovich. I don't, man, these names in USC are tough. We're just going to roll with it. He's averaging 12.1 points per game and 8.4. So this front court is arguably the most dominant in the Pac 12 with the emergence of Ong- 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 the guy whose name starts with two O's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, Five star recruit Isaiah Mobley stepping in 9.1 points and 6.4 assists. So this front court is absolutely dominant and could take them places. Their record currently stands at eight and two, I believe. They have a loss against um, Marquette, uh, lost them by twenty-two, and they also lost to Temple by nine. Just like ASU, a couple of close wins. They beat TCU by two, um, but overall, um, they can make the tournament. But they do need to put it all together. They have the talent; just need to get it done. Oh yeah, Onyeka Okongwu. Uh, nickname is the Big O. Man, every time I get a chance to tweet about USC, I almost always mention this guy because he is so good. If you haven't watched USC play, you gotta. He's number 21. He He's he's the best freshman in the conference, and it's not all that close. Um, he, he He's ridiculous. Uh, he's a big guy. Uh, he plays forward. You know, he's around the basket a lot, so... I have not seen him take many shots that are, you know, beyond three feet. He he cleans up rebounds. He dunks the ball. He runs in transitions. Um, he can dribble well enough when he gets the ball in the post and also when he's uh, running in transition. And 
Man, that guy is good. He was a five-star. He's from um, California, so he's a local guy. And, man, like, this guy is good. I, I like watching USC play because of him. And then Nick Rakosevich is also uh, pretty good. Um, yeah, and so the rest of the team, um, for them, my problem with them is the Temple loss at home, and they're blown out by Marquette. But after that, they've really rallied. Um They've played really after that Harvard game. They beat Harvard by 15. Then they went and beat TCU uh, in Texas. And man, they've gotten their stuff together. So we'll see how it ends up for them. So this year's Utes team, um, really new group, pretty much lost everyone in the offseason. They currently stand at 8-2 overall, but seriously, they lost Parker Van Dyke, Cedric Bearfield, and Donnie Tillman, which was pretty much their whole team last year. Um, Larry Kristoviec, um done a great job to get this team even 8-2. Um, besides for their 94-point win against Mississippi Valley State, Jerry Rice couldn't even help them in that game. Fun fact of the day, that's his college, Mississippi Valley State. So, yeah, they beat him by 94, though. Come on. But, um, so, look at the rest of their schedule. Like I said, 8-2, but troubling losses. Lost to Coastal Carolina by 22, got absolutely blown out. And then lost a close one against Tulane by four points. So one of their only returning players is Ford Timmy Allen, sophomore. And he stepped up, averaging 20.6 points per game, 7.4 assists. So he is the for sure leader, and he's really stepped up. I mean, for a sophomore to do this is pretty cool. Then they have three other players scoring in double figures. Both got... That's really his name. Ryland Jones and Riley Batten. Man, these names are a tiny bit easier than you. See, I can live with that. So that's for Kristoviec. You know, that's that's Polish. I got that one, though. That's that's my people, man. But yeah, so for the use, a lot of unknowns. Could be a tournament team. Could be an absolute dumpster fire. Just got to wait and see. But Timmy Allen is 100% the leader of this group, and he stepped up and filled a great role. Yeah, so I was really high on Utah right at the end of November. Uh, They beat Nevada and Minnesota, and I was making my own uh, power rankings in my head. I had them all the way up at five because I was really impressed with what they were doing. And then the Myrtle Beach Invitational happened, and I don't know what was going on, But I looked at that score against Coastal Carolina, and I I had turned it on my YouTube TV, and I was shocked, shocked and disappointed. And then they followed that up with the loss to Tulane. Like, oh, no, man, Utah, what what happened? And so I can't get over that. Um, that's, That's really tough for me to move on from. Um, they had a really nice win against BYU, um, though uh, BYU's two main players, one got injured, the other fouled out, but that, I mean, that happens in games, so Utah still got it done. Um, and for right now, Ryland Jones is injured, and so they have no depth at point guard, and he's a, he was their highest rated freshman recruit, uh, four star, and he really runs that offense. So without him, um, they play Kentucky coming up here. And yeah, then they go to San Diego State or it's a neutral game. So they got they need Ryland Jones back to to win those games or at least have a chance. So as we slip into the bottom tier teams, this team actually 
has kind of worked their way out of it. In the preseason, they were considered there. But they've actually done very well thus far this year. And we are talking about the Stanford Cardinal here. So this is the in-between Tier 2 and Tier 3 teams. Stanford could slide up or slide down, but let's get to the facts here. So it currently boasts a 9-1 record, which is very impressive. They lost Casey Akpala and Josh Sharma to the professional basketball ranks last year. Didn't really have a solid recruiting class, but here they are sitting at 9-1. So their only loss was to Butler by one point. Very respectable. They also blew Oklahoma out of the water, being them by 19. I'm not sure what this means, but so far in the season, they're off to a great start. We'll have to see what that means in terms of conference play. So one of my notes for Stanford was there's a lot of unknowns and players need to step up. Those were from my preseason notes. And sure enough, they have um, Ford Oscar Da Silva is averaging 17.4 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, but the 17.4 points is proving vital. Four-star point guard recruit Tyrell Terry doing a great job, 15.2 points. 3.4 assists. We'd like to see those assist numbers get a little bit higher. And Ford Spencer Jones is rounding out the group with 10.5 points per game. Um, I just want to say Jared Haas or Gerard Haas, their head coach, is doing a phenomenal coaching job this year. Stanford should not be 9-1. They should have slipped up. And this is now a team to look out for in conference. Oh, yeah. Stanford. I, I got Stanford at four in my power ranking. Stanford is a good team. Um, I, I, uh, that, those games out there was the hall of fame classic. I think it was in Kansas city where they destroyed Oklahoma and then they almost beat Butler and Butler's a top 25 program. Um, other than that, they haven't been really, um, challenged that much in the non-conference. They had a big blowout against uh, Santa Clara, which I consider a good win. Um, and they have San Francisco coming up. And then Kansas coming up. So this will give us a really good idea of where they're at. Um, I really like the Sanford. I like this team. Um, they're a good team. Oscar Da Silva is a good player. Tyrell Terry definitely needs to be talked about as one of the best freshmen in the country. Uh, well, not even – well, I meant to say the conference, but, yeah, let's throw him in there. He's what he's one of the best freshmen in the country. I mean, that guy is good. He was a Minnesota player of the year. Um, and if you know Zeke Najee at Arizona, well – uh, Tyrell Terry won the player of the year in, in uh, Minnesota over Najee. So um, that, that'll tell you something. And then um, Dejon Davis has really um, found his role on that team well. Um, I, I think he's a real key player for their uh, chances moving forward. Five-star recruit that I've really liked his whole career. Um, and yeah, like this Stanford team is for real. They haven't really been challenged since those first two games. Um, so it's hard to really judge them, but I, I like them. I think they're, they're a top four, top five program in the conference. UCLA is like Stanford as we get here to the worst three teams in conference, the bottom feeders, you know, we're just gonna call them how it is. Um, so UCLA is in a very similar boat as Stanford, except off to a worse start. They lost pretty much everyone last year. Lost Chris Wilkes, lost Jalen Hands, and also Pac-12 All-Freshman pick Moses Brown. So this was expected to be a rebuilding year, especially under a new first-year head coach in Westwood in Mick Cronin. So looking at their schedule, 7-4, and four, got off to hot 4-0 start, but started to slip up. Lost to Hofstra by 10, BYU by 15, and the other two losses are respectable in Michigan State and Notre Dame. So, you know, they kind of are where we expected them to be. Still too early to say a lot, but Mick Cronin, if there's one thing that's sure about him, he'll get that defense working. So some players did need to step up with all the faces lost last year. And filling that role has been guard Chris Smith 
averaging 11.3 points per game. You also have Cody Riley averaging 11.1 points. Jalen Hill, 10.6 points per game. And Prince Ollie at 10.5. So you have a nice four players um, averaging double figures. But for every good team, you do need that one surefire threat. And not one of these players has stepped up as the guy just yet. And Sharif O'Neal, Shaq's son, is underwhelmed. So main thing for UCLA, the defense is going to come. But they need to find that bona fide star. Who can they rely on in end-of-game situations? That's all they need, baby. Yeah, I've been really surprised of what's gone on over there in UCLA. I didn't realize that they would be this uh, bad, for lack of a better word. Um, so, yeah, they're the players that they need to perform the best are Cody Riley and uh, Chris Smith. And so those are the two players that really, uh, you know, make their team run. Um, and then you can add in Tiger Campbell. Uh, I like he's got great hair. Um He's a, a really good player, too. So they have pieces to build around. Um, I just, it's tough because he's trying to implement his, you know, physicality defensive system. And it's just, it's, I don't know if the players have bought into it yet. And it, without getting your own recruits in there, it's hard to expect that they will. All their losses, excuse me, all their losses have been double digits. Um, they lost by 10 to Hofstra and Polly Pavilion, and then they got blown out by 15 uh, by BYU in the Maui Invitational, and they lost by 13 to Michigan State, and then they just lost by 14 to Notre Dame, and that was on national TV, and that Notre Dame game, like, that was a really big opportunity for them to revamp their image nationally this season, and they did not help themselves. It just, it was a bad performance. They're not a good team. There's no way to get around it and it's just um now they got north carolina coming up in vegas and man they could lose this game by 20 or more as we dive into the last two teams in conference um cal is probably the worst team in the conference this year um them wsu or ucla but cal you're gonna go wrong with that answer so they've been five and 31 in conference the last couple of seasons they have a new head coach in Mark Fox, but he knew what he was getting into. So it's going to be tough for them. But if you look at their record thus far this year, they're currently 6-5. and five. They played Duke early on and Texas early on. I'm not sure why. I guess they want to play the best competition, but they got manhandled. Their other three losses are at San Francisco by 12, at Santa Clara by um, 19, and at St. Mary's by 12. So they're losing to the lesser-tier California schools. Um, no disrespecting those programs. They are formidable, but as a Pac-12 school, you expect better. So Cal's off to a tough start. Currently, again, currently standing at 6-5. and five. Um, One very notable thing for them is Matt Bradley has stepped up, averaging 17.4 points per game and four rebounds. Um, they need to find a leader. So if he can be that guy, he can pay dividends as the season goes on. Cream South is adding 11.4 points per game. So they, they're starting to find a little bit, but really they're overmatched. They probably have the least talented roster in the Pac-12. That's not to say they can't win games, but there are two very important things I have in my notes here. One for Cal basketball, pray for them. It's going to be tough. And do they still have the white kid with cornrows? Because if he's still on that team, I believe in them, baby. He was there last year. Okay, no, he was their European player. He transferred. He could hit threes. Um, I liked him. I thought he was going to be a key player for them moving forward, but he decided to transfer um, when the coaching change happened. So for Cal, um, they started off pretty strong. They were 4-0. They had wins over UNLV and Pepperdine, 
And then they went, uh, they played Duke and Texas in the Empire Classic out there in New York. They got blown out um, both of those games. And then um, ever since then, they've been kind of shaky. They followed it up with the win over uh, UC Davis, but then a loss to the Bay Area schools, San Francisco and Santa Clara. And the Santa Clara loss was really disappointing as a 19-point blowout. It was just a frustrating um, just a bad loss, and and for they then they beat Fresno, Fresno State. They play a lot of um, um, quality, I guess, mid majors. They play a lot of schools on the West Coast, and whoever schedules their their you know uh, their schedule, uh, you got to commend them because they are willing to play um a decent schedule. Like that's um that's at least commendable for them, and for coming up, they have Boston College in san francisco and so bc is going to come all the way to the bay area and i am expecting cal to win this game and so this will be a big big moment for them in the mark fox era especially considering they need to be at least 500 or better for non-conference season for recruiting purposes Fight, fight, fight for Washington State. Win the victory. Alright, so the round out, the final team, the Washington State Cougars. And as we said, the last three squads, UCLA, WSU, and Cal, probably the worst teams in the conference, especially at this point in the year. So, first year head coach and Kyle Smith taking over the Cougars. One thing that's cool to see is the Cougars are now actually playing defense, at least trying that's been missing the last couple of seasons, so that's a start. Um, they have to replace the scoring of Robert Franks, who's also gone. Um, he was a dominant Pac-12 scorer. So their record currently stands at 5-4. and four. They have a loss to Santa Clara, a loss to Omaha, which I didn't even know was a team, a uh, loss to Nebraska, which is not Omaha, the real Nebraska. No offense, Omaha. And um, Colorado State. So they have some pretty bad losses. Uh, again, 5-4, and four, not what you'd like to see out of a Pac-12 team. But one sure thing is they have a leader in C.J. Ellaby. He's a great player, averaging 20.1 points per game and uh, 6.2 rebounds. He's a great all-around scorer with the ball in his hands. They have Jeff Pollard, who's a dominant, not a dominant forward, but a great defender, box-out hustle player, averaging 9.1 points per game and um, 4.9 rebounds. And Isaac Bonton shoots a high volume, but is scoring 13 points per game. So the Cougs have a little something to work with, but they'll go as far as LMB takes them. Other than the Nebraska-Omaha loss, I think that Wazoo's season has exceeded expectations. Um, they had a really nice win over New Mexico State. Uh, that's probably the most noteworthy win that they have, other than the opening night blowout of Seattle University. Um, they went to the Cayman Islands, and they lost to Nebraska- then they beat Old Dominion, and they lost to Colorado State. And I think that Cayman Island trip really brought the team together. I think um, whenever you travel internationally, whoever you go with, you bond with. Like International travel is one of the best ways to bond with someone. And when you have a new coach um, and a bunch of new players, that is exactly what the doctor ordered. For Wazoo, and I think you can tell in their performance that it had they've really come together. I mean, after that Cayman Islands trip, they're three and zero, okay, and they probably are gonna end non-conference season 
on a six-game winning streak. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. And I, so what they're doing, they got a new floor too. I don't know if you watched the game today against UC Irvine. Um, or No, it wasn't UC Irvine. Whoever they played, UC school. Um, they It's a new court. Looks good. Looks great. Got grades. Much better than what Oregon does. And I'm hopeful for that program moving forward. Yeah, people say gone in 60 seconds. We say gone in 90 seconds here on the Dane and Nick podcast. We got you covered. You're now more informed about Pac-12 basketball. You're getting ready for conference play. You're getting ready for the holidays. You are getting ready for a good time of year. And we got you covered, baby. You know, you know what's coming. Hey, I haven't even shouted out Dane today. Man, Dane's always killing it. Follow the man on Twitter. I don't know his handle. If he wants to plug himself, he can. But he's always coming at you with some good Pac-12 information. My Twitter, I'm posting like rattlesnakes and stuff, man. But rattlesnakes can camouflage. I'm just, it's crazy. Man. I'm just throwing that out there. But thanks for tuning in as always. Um, a brief recap. It's still very early in the Pac-12 season. The real season hasn't started. But looks like Oregon, some combination of Oregon, Colorado, Arizona, and Washington are going to be the elite teams in conference. Uh, you have Oregon State, USC, and ASU vying as kind of those middle-tier teams. Um, could make the tournament, could falter. We'll have to wait and see. And for sure, everyone else, we're just going to have to, you know, <laughs> good luck, y'all. So, again, thanks for tuning in. We got you covered in three minutes on Pac-12 Sports. That's what we do. I'm trying to think of something random to say. Hey, I still got 14 seconds here. What you want? Hey, hey, hey. That's all I got. You know what? No smart alecky remarks. Thanks for tuning in again. Let Dane take us out. From Seattle to Arizona, deuces, pieces, Reese's pieces. All right, yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, so, brief recap on Tucson weather. Uh, we have a freeze warning for tonight, which is a little bit early in the season. So, uh, December it doesn't usually get this cold. I feel like so we are. Uh, it's been a weird year, man. I mean, it rained a lot in between January and March, and it never does that. And then we had a really weak monsoon season which is the summertime, and so it barely rained than when it usually normally does a lot. And then we've had a wet, like, pre-winter. I guess this is technically winter. And so it's just, it's weird. This is such a weird year for weather here, and we're, we're like, two inches above normal rain. So it's just weird. And we got this freeze warning tonight. It's supposed to be, like, 30-something degrees in the morning when I'm about to go to work. So this is, like, this is unusual. But, um, yeah, for me, for the season uh Oregon I think has an opportunity to make the final four and beyond that um they have a really good team uh and in conference play the surprise of the year so far is definitely Stanford the underwhelming team of the year is UCLA um and then Washington and as Nick said Colorado and Arizona are probably the top tier along with Oregon uh, and ASU is closely up there too. USC also has a chance as well as Oregon State. So I think uh, possibly six teams could get in. And I think eight total are going to be in contention. So we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm.